Hey, it's Jordan. We'll open up the Chill Factory in about 20 seconds. Wouldn't it be great to start the year with simple, fast, and effective stress and anxiety reducers that you can use for the rest of the year and forever? Well, this is exactly what the self-paced Quick Calm Video Workshop will give you. And at the end of this episode, I'll give you a special discount code so that you and 99 other listeners can get Quick Calm for less. Most students will answer when asked, but most students are not going to bring that up unless they're asked. And it can be scary to receive the answer, yes, I have thought about it. Hi, and welcome to The Chill Factory. I'm Jordan Friedman. As I sometimes do, let's start with some statistics. These are from the 2021 Healthy Mind Study, which surveys college students about their mental health. And we'll put a link to the full study in the show notes. 41% of college students reported signs of depression. 22% reported signs of severe depression. 13% of college students last year considered suicide. And data from other sources showed the rate of suicide for 10 to 24-year-olds increased nearly 60% between 2007 and 2018. So it makes a lot of sense that parents and families of college students, and I assume of those not in college, are anxious and worrying through sleepless nights about the mental health of their kids. Well, we're in luck today because Todd Sevig is in the Chill Factory. And I can't think of too many people more qualified to help us sort through and even de-stress some of these issues. Todd has been the Director of Counseling and Psychological Services at the University of Michigan since 2001, and he's been part of that department since 1989. His affiliations are many, including with the Association of University and College Counseling Directors, the International Association of Counseling Services, and the University of Michigan's Depression Center. And I've been working with Todd for several years because the University of Michigan provides its students with the Stress Busters Wellness app, which my colleagues and I produce. Todd, you know more than most that rates of anxiety and depression and suicide were way up long before the pandemic came along. And then you add social isolation, separation from campus, a feeling of lost time and experiences. If I were a parent or a family member of a college kid, I don't think I'd be able to sleep at night because I'd be so worried about their mental health. So I'm glad you're here to give us some uh, calming wisdom and guidance in this current situation. No pressure or anything. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate being here, uh, Jordan. I I don't know if it's wise or, or the other things you mentioned, but you know I do have some thoughts on this. Um, I find it helpful, and, and maybe your listeners will, uh, to think about just for a sec you know, the last uh, couple of years, uh, we've, we've basically been through a collective trauma. And I think the important thing to remember is that when something traumatic happens, it's something sudden and unexpected and something that, that we're not used to navigating or dealing with. And so it creates a, a psychological shock to our systems. And so we were all going through this uh, when it started to unfold. 
into February, March 2020. And it, it takes a while to recover from trauma. And so I think it's been this, this period right now of obviously extended. It's gone on for two years. Uh, every time we think it's over, then something else happens. Uh, it's been very hard. Uh, for college students, not being on campus has been difficult. Uh, it's created a lot of isolation, a lot of anxiety. You know, I think there's some good news in all this in that it's created a window, a new opening of, you know what, I need to do some, some additional or different things to take care of myself. Part of, you know, psychological health is accepting what is going on. So that, that's probably a first thing to look for, for all of us. And then learning how to manage. Not learning how to deal with it, but learning how to manage. How do we get through the tough times in life? And so that's where things like coping, a sense of resiliency, a sense of, you know what, I don't have control over everything in my life. As human beings, we have to learn to, to live with that, live through that, manage it. And so what I've seen in, in a lot of college students that, that we've worked with is exactly what I just said, sort of that new awareness of mental health. I feel better already. And I can hear some people saying, oh, what good could possibly have come from the past couple of years? But I think it's true. We've been forced to think about how we're feeling because we've spent so much more time with ourselves recently. Yes. On a previous episode called I'll Be There For You, I talked with an evolutionary psychologist and he compared feelings of anxiety and worry and depression to alarms that we should take action to address in healthy ways. So I agree with you that some good has definitely come from this experience for many of us. So now that a lot of students are back in school, back on campus, if I were a parent, Todd, and I was thinking about my son or daughter's mental health, and maybe I wanted to talk with them about it, what are some things that I should be aware of, some things that I should be sensitive to? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And I was also a parent of two uh, kids in college, a son and a daughter. Uh, they've now graduated, so I've lived through it. And it can be hard. My input would revolve around three areas. The first uh, was true long before the pandemic, during, and will be true after, is if you notice a big change in your son or daughter. That's the biggest, uh, most reliable thing to look for. And only you know that best. And the second thing would be this, to stay in touch, to communicate, and if appropriate or if needed, to reflect back what your son or daughter might be saying. And so something like, you know, just wanted to check in. I know it's really hard time. How's it been going? And then the son or daughter will say something, and then you're off to the races. But creating that opening, creating that window is really helpful. The third 
thing, uh, and this is hard for us as parents, believe me, I know it, is uh, to give our sons or daughters uh, some space. Uh, because what is happening is students in college are learning how to navigate things on their own. And uh, it, it can be difficult because we're used to, you know, at least 18 years of being very involved as parents in almost every aspect of their life. And, uh, you know, we start to see that obviously in adolescence and high school uh, but then the physical separation, whether it's 50 miles or 500 miles or 5,000 miles, is is hard psychologically for us. But but in order to have uh, students in college, uh, we have a fancy word, we call it individuation. They need to learn how to become their own person, and part of that is navigating the hard times in life. And then it depends on the situation. So... If a student in college is really freaking out and they're really stressed and they're telling you that, you want to be a little more involved and you know start thinking of uh, normalizing what's happening, uh, understanding you know why why might this be happening, and uh, then suggesting some resources to help. If your son or daughter is not communicative or they don't return your texts or your phone calls or if they do what they say is pretty sparse and it doesn't give you much to work with what advice would you give parents and others in that situation that's actually one of the more difficult situations um, for both uh, the student and the parent um, you know, there's a few different reasons why that happens. Uh, sometimes it's that the student just needs some space. I want to figure this out on my own. It also could be a warning sign that something really serious is going on. I don't know if there's easy answers, Jordan, to this, and I don't want to pretend that there are. But some themes over my 30 years of working in this field point to this, that I think it's sometimes helpful for parents to, uh, maybe it relates to what I said earlier. It doesn't have to be all or nothing. A response uh, of, you know, gee, I haven't heard from you for a few days or a week or whatever it's been, and I don't need to know everything that's going on, but I really would like to know if you're safe. Or, you know, these are my words, you know, the theme of, you know, I would just like to know what's going on. Uh, just let me know if you're all right. Um, I'm always here if you want to talk. Or... Let me know if you need some help thinking of resources or next steps or whatever the situation might call for. Todd, I also wanted to have you on because over the past few weeks, I've seen Jamie Raskin, who's the representative from Maryland, on TV. And he's been talking about his new book, which in great part details his son's suicide while in law school just over a year ago. And they talked about his son's depression, and his son was treated for depression, but they never uttered the word suicide. And I wonder if you have any thoughts or advice on when or how to bring up suicide, because it's such a sensitive and traumatic topic. Yes, yeah. I really appreciate you bringing up the question. It's uh it's very difficult for, for all of us to, to talk about it. Um, 
including us as mental health professionals. Uh, deaths by suicide are one of the most painful things in life to navigate. There are a couple different things if it starts to feel like that, or if you have a sense that that may be going on. And I'm a big fan of this. And what I'm going to say is hard, but doable. It doesn't roll off the tongue, and it's also doable. And it's simply this, to ask directly the question, is it so bad that have you thought about suicide? Have you thought about harming yourself? Most students will answer when asked, but most students are not going to bring that up unless they're asked. And it can be scary to receive the answer, yes, I have thought about it. But what I have tried to promote, especially the last 10 years, and we have a specific program on campus that we've been promoting for this very reason, Jordan. Uh, so we encourage uh, friends, roommates, faculty members, um, staff on campus uh, to, to ask the question. And I know it's scary as all get out. Believe me, I know. Uh, I know from personal experience as well as professional because we're afraid of the answer. But what research shows, and what I can speak as a psychologist, as a clinician from clinical experience, is that when we ask that, it, it actually creates some relief, both in the student as well as the situation, and then you will know what to do. A lot of us at one point in our life will actually think about suicide, but not act on it. You know, it, it is a warning sign. It's something that requires more discussion and, and more addressing. Uh, but that's probably the biggest thing that I can say that helps. And I've seen it help many times over the years. And I think it's also important to say that bringing up the subject of suicide using the word in no way promotes someone to harm themselves. It's a really good point. There is absolutely no evidence of that. Uh, and researchers have, have poked around with that for, for many years, and there's no evidence of that. What it does is then it opens the channel of communication. And Todd, I think that parents and families can also take comfort in knowing or being reminded that so many schools, the University of Michigan included, have so many mental health support services. You have a huge staff of amazing therapists. There are other support resources on campus, many of which are available 24-7. So if you're a parent who is up at four in the morning feeling really anxious or worried about your kid, know that there is a big team, often right where your child is, to help. That's exactly right. Um, you know, each college and university does it a little bit differently. We've increased staffing. But more than that, and more importantly than that, uh, we've really taken a, a, a different approach to college student mental health. And it's, it, it can be summed up in this phrase. Multiple things, multiple resources for different kinds of students at different times of the year. And so, you know, counseling centers, quote, in the old days, used to almost only do 
therapy where students had to come into the, the center and, and get some in-person counseling and support. There's many things online that are available to students, obviously 24-7. We also uh, have a phone line that anybody can call uh, whenever we're closed. And that phone line is, is for students, but also uh, parents can call that. Not all students need or want counseling, therapy. But it's our sense that most of our 50,000 students uh, could use a little help at some point during the, the year. Yeah, it's really reassuring. And a last question, Todd. I've known you for many years, and I have a lot of friends who are mental health professionals at the college level and in other situations. And I sometimes wake up at four in the morning stressed and anxious about how you all are doing because you really have high-pressure jobs. And the spotlight is usually on you to help others, to save the day. How do you deal with the pressure and the stress, not only of your job, but just of what we've been dealing with in the world for uh, for the past couple of years? Well, it, it's a great question. I've grown so much in this area in the last 10 years of my life. Interestingly enough, uh, we had a really hard a situation as a family that that really increased both my awareness and my learning and realizing that I I have to take care of myself. Self-care for therapists uh, is a unique, particular enterprise, if you will. We have to do it. Uh, it's the old adage of if we don't take care of ourselves, we're not able to help other people in a very effective way. It's not just a luxury. Uh, it's not just, you know, taking a walk or listening to music. It's almost like a clinical necessity for us to take care of ourselves. Um, there's macro approaches, you know, things like taking a vacation, uh, taking a break, having healthy diet, good, good sleep, but also micro approaches, things that we can do every day that help. Uh, and those could be just little things like um, some quick stretches in between clients or meetings, could be artful scheduling. You know, we have more control over our schedule than what we think sometimes. And I think it also starts with getting in touch with, with the joy in our work uh, and, and gravitating to things that, that feed us, that feed our soul, that gives us meaning. And that uh, can be a, a real source of strength to help us get through uh, what, what is a, actually a very difficult job. Todd Sevick, Director of Counseling at the University of Michigan, the great University of Michigan. Thank you so much for taking the time to come by the Chill Factory today. I'm, I'm pretty sure that some listeners are going to go back and listen to the recording again because just the way you phrased things, the suggestions you gave for you know, how to talk to kids or, or others about mental health seem really simple and eloquent but you know when when you're stressed at four in the morning or it's your family member you're dealing with it's really hard to come up with uh those words sometimes so thanks so much todd well you're, you're so welcome jordan you know thanks for asking me to to do this and be here and i uh most importantly i hope i hope it's helpful to the listeners
Check the show notes for more mental health resources available to everyone. Let's take a quick instant vacation. This is one of those micro-approaches that Todd mentioned. Think about a beautiful, calming place. Maybe it was somewhere you went on vacation or somewhere you hoped to go on vacation. Maybe it was a photo or a scene that you saw in a movie. It could be a forest or the beach or maybe your bed. Any place that makes you feel good and at ease. If you'd like, close your eyes and bring this place into your imagination with as much detail as possible. Notice the light and colors and details of the environment, whether it be outside or indoors. Now listen to this place. Hear the sounds, maybe the ocean waves, birds, the rustling of leaves, or maybe it was a completely quiet place. And how about the smells of this place? Pine needles, flowers, sunscreen? And how does it feel to be in this situation? Do you feel a breeze? Do you feel the heat? the sun, maybe your skin against a towel or the sand. Now bring all of these senses together and keep them in your mind with as much focus as possible. We'll leave this place right now, but the great news is you can return whenever you wish. Instant vacation is a self-guided imagery or visualization technique that triggers the mind and body to relax. And we'll put a couple of these exercises in the show notes. Okay, here's the special discount code I promised you for the self-paced quick calm video workshop, which will teach you 10 data-driven stress and anxiety reduction techniques, including Quick Calm, which is the most popular technique I teach. Just go to quickcalm.net to learn more about the workshop and use the discount code COLLEGE. This offer will expire at midnight on January 31st, 2022. It's quitting time for this episode of The Chill Factory. I'm Jordan Friedman. Thanks so much for listening. There's more information and resources at thechillfactory.net. And you can also leave us a question or voicemail there. Just look for the blue tab on the right side of any site page. And if there's something you've heard here on The Chill Factory that you think will help someone in your life, we'd love it if you shared an episode or the podcast with them. And subscribe or follow The Chill Factory so you'll know when new episodes are available. And as singer-songwriter Carly Simon said, people are tremendously supportive. You just have to give them a chance.